You're listening to The Peak Podcast with me, Christina Roman. We're having real, intimate conversations about the interconnectedness of life. Join us as we discuss big topics like intuition, personal mastery, and emotional wellness and why they matter for you. In this episode, I chat with Erica and Jordan of The Worth Project about three financial questions that changed their trajectory, our biggest money mistakes, which include Bitcoin, constant late fees, and I deserve it syndrome, and how to bring money in line with your values, especially in a partnership. We also touch on minimalism, food waste reduction, student loans, and their favorite financial books. At the end of the episode, they give two calls to action for aligning your money with your values, so stay tuned for that. Here are some quotes that stood out to me from the episode. We did these three questions about a year ago, and it completely changed how we approach our money and our life. I want to write a book. What? Apparently, I'd like to write a book. And lastly, what am I going to do today that at the end of it, I'll say that was worth it. Thank you so much, as always, for listening, and I hope you love the episode. Erica and Jordan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having us. It's great to be here. I hear that it is the first time that you guys are actually on a podcast together outside of your own podcast. It is. It feels like a special moment. It is. We're locked, locked eyes over the microphone and see how we interrupt each other. No, it's fun. <laughs> you need little hand gestures that's like, this is my question that I'm going to answer. Oh, that's a great should. idea. I know. We're trying to teach, teach Henry our baby sign language. I mean, he should do it for the podcast. He should. Perfect. <laughs> or get little signs like red and green. Mm-hmm. I'll make them for you. I'll send them over. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. So I wanted to have you guys on the podcast. I just told you as we were connecting before that I find you both very soothing personalities. You don't necessarily agree with my assessment, but I think you guys just seem so soothing. <laughs> well, that's very nice. I'm I I'm thrilled to hear that because I don't know many people in my life that would call me soothing. No so. kidding. As an engineer, I've never heard an engineer be called soothing before. So this is good. I like, I like it. Going. It's a new leaf. <laughs> yeah, I just so you guys talk about money, which I happen to actually love talking about money. Not everybody does, but as I listen to your podcast about money, it's called the Worth Project. Um, I just I I don't know. I feel so relaxed, which is just not always the feeling you get when you're talking about finances. So um, I want to use that is a segue to ask you guys to tell me a little bit more about the Worth Project and what that means to you and why you came up with the name. Sure. So the Worth Project is really, it's kind of evolved since I started it. Um, So right now, the Worth Project is a place where you can get tools to kind of help you figure out what you want to do in life and figure out how to make the money work. And we are using it as a way to kind of share how we Mm -hmm. are transforming our life. So right now we did these three questions about a year ago, a little over a year ago, and Mm -hmm. it completely changed how we approach our money and our life. And it was just too good to not share with other people. We've always been really good with money, but this completely just flipped everything upside down. And we are in the process of selling everything we own, moving from London to Hawaii, leaving our jobs, and just embracing a completely different lifestyle. And so the Worth Project is where we share that in hopes that, you know, it can give other people inspiration to figure out what their Worth Project is and what they want to do in their life. And that's what I love about, we just kind of came up with, uh, yeah, when you look back on life, you can say that was worth it. Yeah. And that's what we're mm. doing right now. And that's what even doing the podcast and, and then sharing our story on the blog is just really helpful because it, for me anyways, it keeps me like disciplined and keeps me like, all right, we can do this. We're sharing our story, 
you know, held accountable. We're loving the journey. Yeah. Yeah. We're just embracing that journey. And I think before, so I had been writing um, about money for years and Mm -hmm. I had always written about the tactical and practical sides. So tools and investing and how to budget and all of these things that never really clicked until these serious questions, right? Yeah. Until Mm -hmm. we decided to, you know, I, I think that when you care enough about what you want to do in your life, you're going to figure out the money. And so Mm -hmm. once we like really had a fire lit in us, like this is what we are super passionate about in life, then it made figuring out the money fun and Mm -hmm. exciting. And that's what is so great about the name The Worth Project. It's been around for like three years, but it keeps evolving what it means. But it feels like now it's like really solidifying with these three questions. And and then these three questions also got me involved because now it's like our story, right? It's our project that we're doing together. Yeah. I'm just imagine someone listening at home, sitting on the edge of their chair, being like, well, what the heck are these three questions? Yeah. So, <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, I, this is actually how I started. So I've been following Erica's work for a very long time. And so we've collaborated in the past through another business. And um, I was really re-inspired by the Worth Project and by your collaborative work because of financial life planning, which has to do with these three questions. So that's a little bit of background on how I kind of reconnected with your money mindset ideas. And so if you can dive into those three questions, I think they're going to be really interesting for everyone listening. Yeah. So to give some context, I have known, I have been in the personal finance space for a very long time. I started my career as a CPA. I majored in economics, went to business school, have always loved money. And it wasn't until just over a year ago, our son Henry had just been born. Jordan's mom was going through cancer treatments and we were just feeling very stuck and kind of like a, what do we do with our life phase? Mm -hmm. And and I've been working with my company for 13 years and Mm, working it, but also to that like career transition stage. And then when my mom got sick with breast cancer, it's like, oh my gosh, we need to go home because we're living overseas in the UK right now. That's other part Mm -hmm. of the story. Yeah. So anyway, so she had cancer and then these, yeah, Erica stumbled upon these three questions. Yeah. And so I was researching something completely different came across this guy, George Kinder, and his idea of financial life planning and found these three questions. And I was like, Jordan, we have to print these out. We're going to do this during Henry's next nap. And (laughs) we're just going to see what happens. And so these three questions, I think, really help you tap into your intuition and who you want to become in your life. And it suspends all kind of idea of the money, the practical side of things. And it lets you really just lean into your dreams, really. Open-mindedness. Just have like, yeah, just, yeah, toss me those inhibitions about, oh, I can't do that. I can't do this. Oh, they they were so good. So the first one wasn't anything that we hadn't heard before. So we were a little skeptical. So the first Mm -hmm. one was, if you have all the money in the world, what would you do? And we were both kind of like, oh, I was like, oh, I'd be the barefoot Contessa, I guess. I don't really know. You know <laughs> I have no idea. I'd travel more. Um, and we didn't come up with anything too substantial. And then mm-hmm. the next question is, all right, you go to the doctor and you he tells you that you have five to 10 years left to live and you're not going to be in any pain and you don't know when you're going to die, but you only have five to 10 years left. What would you change about your life today? you're like, oh, 
that's so good. And it really starts kind of getting your wheels turning. You're like, well, what don't I, what don't I like about what I'm doing or what, what else do I want to do? And then the third question, I was just a blubbering mess after this last <laughs> question, but it's like, all right, you go back to the doctor and oops, he made a mistake. You only have 24 hours left to live. And the question isn't, what would you do with those last 24 hours? The question is, who did you not get to become? And I think that was just for both of us. It was just like the most emotional like discussion that we've ever had about I mean, we've talked about what we've wanted to do in life, but this was something so different that just brought up all of these things of who we really wanted to be in life and what was really, really valuable and important to us. And especially like, yeah, what was, what do you want your legacy to be at the end? And now that you have a baby too, you're just like, oh, what do you want to do with him? What do, what do, you, what do you want to be remembered for? Yeah. Yeah. So they really touched base. And it's great because we had George Kinder on the podcast and he even mm -hmm. said like those first two questions are pretty standard in the financial space, like personal finance space. And he added in that third question, which for us is like really brought it home to really like zero in on like, all right, this is what we're going to do with their life. And then how we're going to make the money work. Yeah. I think it's really interesting that you talk about how the first question or maybe the first two questions were not, they didn't, the floodgates did not open. But you stuck with it and you were able to get some really, really powerful insights. And so I actually have an episode I'm working on about morning pages, which is just three unscripted pages of writing every morning. And it's super interesting to me because sometimes I'll write and I'll I'll respond to a prompt and I'll write and I'll be like, this is kind of frankly boring and not insightful. And then all of a sudden, in a totally unpredictable time, in an unpredictable way, things just bust wide open <laughs> and I'm like, oh. There's this huge insight here. So it sounds like that was kind of your experience with yeah. financial life planning. Yeah, it definitely was. That's exactly how I would describe it. Like we were going through it and then all of a sudden, yeah, something just clicks. Boom. Yeah. And I think you have to do the first two questions as the warm up, you know, to get you mm -hmm. in that frame of mind. And then and then it just all all clicks together. So I would love to ask you guys if you're feeling particularly vulnerable today. What was your answer to that third question of who did you not get to be? I I really <laughs> I this was surprised me because I had always thought that I wanted to um, work in more of a corporate career in more of a like very buttoned up style and once mm -hmm. I did this I realized that I didn't get to spend I I would be so devastated to not be there for all of Henry our son's moments and not get to like spend that really like crucial quality time with him because I was too busy working. So that was one thing. The other thing that came up was I want to write a book. What? Apparently mm. I apparently I'd like to write a book. <laughs> what is the top, huh? I love the, the intuitive work where you're like, oh, surprise, guess I've been carrying this one around. Didn't know. Yeah, <laughs> had no idea that that was – I just – I, I want to write a book. I want to, you know, be somebody that like speaks and helps people and, you know, shares what we've done. And I, I just – that was like such a strong calling. And, um, and then also I'm not treating my – body and my mind the way I want to be. And that really came out in the, who did I not get to become? And it was, I didn't get to become the strongest version of myself 
physically and mentally. And that was mm. something that w- really surprised me. And Jordan had actually some different ones. Yeah. So a big one for me was uh, be reduce my impact on the environment. Ever since I was a young kid, I've always been really interested in like climate change and like trying to make a difference in the world through the environment and be an environmentalist. And I got to admit, like life just takes you down these decisions and paths. And uh, I actually working for an oil company, which is, yeah, working for an oil company. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it looked great when I came out of college. I was just trying to find a job. And uh, I'm a chemical engineer by training. And I, wa- I was like, oh, good, it's energy, right? And I can work with energy and learn about it and travel the world and work outdoors. So it clicked a lot of boxes for me. And then, yeah, 13 years later, I'm just like, okay, when am I actually going to start working renewables? And I even try within my company doing like entrepreneurship, you know, like doing like entrepreneurship mm-hmm. with, with inside, inside the company. But yeah. like the company just wasn't interested in stuff like that. And I wasn't finding the right people. So anyways, that's what that question really hit home for me. It's like, I just got to look at other opportunities out there and get more into the green space. And, um, and that's why I want my legacy to be not not working for an old company. And they've been great. I've been loving it. Great people to work for. It's not like this big evil corporation, um, but definitely time to try something else and, and make a bigger impact on the environment. So, so yeah, mm-hmm. that's what really opened my eyes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think that these financial life planning questions help you dream really big, which I don't think we do that often in our society anymore, because we're so focused on being practical. But how did you take all of these big abstract ideas and values and make them into action steps? Well, yeah, that's a good way to put it. So yeah, Erica kind of started talking about earlier. So the three questions help us distill like what we call our principles. Yeah, Yeah, our Mm -hmm. four core principles, which is yeah, the environment. Uh, spending mm-hmm. more time with family, um, building something that gives back like a company and being more healthy in fitness, um, being more healthy and active. So we kind of looked at those four and then we started figuring out, all right, how can we start living that life right away? Yeah. And so it honestly, it, it was a combination of small changes and big changes. We didn't just mm-hmm. all of a sudden say, hey, Jordan, quit your job. Let's sell everything mm-hmm. we own and let's move 7,000 miles because yeah. like, that's that's a hard leap to take. Like I said, we took these questions a year ago too. And yeah. even before that, we were already like on a journey of kind of rethinking our money mindset and what we wanted to do with our life. So I really just kind of tipped the scales. Yeah. So we just started with really small steps. So you know, one really easy example was um, we wanted to eat health. We wanted to be healthier people. That mm-hmm. we wanted to take care of our body and our mind and make space for that. And so, one of the things that was really important to us from an environmental standpoint was eating organic, locally sourced, you know, produce and meat and you know everything. And so, we just started making those changes in our lifestyle. And there's a money impact to everything that we do. So mm-hmm. eating that way is much more expensive. It just it just is like the por- produce that we're purchasing is double probably. The fish mm-hmm. is, you know, an extra 40%. So it was going to have a money impact. And what we did was we said, okay, well, let's see what isn't important to us. And so the things that aren't important to us are eating out. So we really just started cutting back on that. Another thing was, you know, we can maybe work on reducing our food waste because then, you know, we're not basically throwing away money in the trash can. And so we started really with small changes and these small changes started leading to bigger things. And so then Jordan said, well, if I want to be, you know, an environmentalist, I should probably get rid of this car. 
Mm-hmm. I was like, okay. I well, heard you're very sad about this car, Jordan. Nissan oh, Figaro. Yeah. Oh, beautiful little car. Actually, yeah. I have someone coming over tomorrow to take it for a test drive. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty sad. I'll talk her out of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're like, it's a terrible car. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, if we get rid of this car, then what does that open up in our money? And so we, you know, had it's an old car and it needs work. And so there was an account that, you know, we had the little money in there for that. And there were monthly expenses that go along with the car. And so everything, every step we started taking was just bringing our money more in line with our values. And I think that's the whole point of how we should treat our money in life is that, you know, you should spend money on the things that you really want and not spend money on other things. Like Sounds simple, but it's really hard to do unless you have a crystal clear vision of what you want. Then it doesn't feel like you're giving up yeah. on things either. Yeah. Like even travel, like we've been to like 42 countries. We've been been all over the place, right? I mean, over 50, yeah, I think. over 50 now. Yeah, we know. love to travel, but also we answer the question is like, wow, travel is not our priority anymore, right? So it's hmm. just like kind of shifting where our money is and what we want to spend it on. Yeah, and then like these small changes, we ended up finally like sitting down and thinking through like, okay, well, you know, if Jordan were to leave his job, what does that look like financially? And what do we need to make this work? And so we sat down very romantically with, you know, a Google Sheets open <laughs> so we could both kind hot. of- Yeah, it was super, super <laughs> hot. Great day. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we looked through and said, okay, well, like, you know, if Jordan leaves his job, what does that do to us money-wise? It's, it's big. It's, it's like a big loss, but uh-huh. you know, what else can we do? How can we make that work? And, you know, maybe we move to a cheaper place, a smaller mm-hmm. place. Maybe we, you know, continue to shift our food budget. Maybe Henry doesn't go to his daycare five days a week. Maybe he only goes four days a week. And so we just started kind of looking at trade-offs to, all right, well, if that's the life that we want, how can we get there? And it was pretty easy actually too. It wasn't that yeah. bad. It wasn't that painful. I mean, certain times it was like, we're kind of going down more of a minimalist lifestyle. I say that cautiously mm-hmm. just because we're getting rid of a lot of things right now. And um, when we're not like hardcore minimalist, but definitely simplifying how much stuff we have. And gosh, it feels good. Like sometimes it's hard to get rid of things. Even today, Eric is like, oh, I really like this purse, but we should get rid of it. And like I said, getting rid yeah. of the car. Um, but at the same time too, it just it feels good. And it's just a crystal clear vision of where we're going. So it's easy to get rid of this stuff and not look back. Yeah. And I will say, like we didn't sit down with the spreadsheet and all of a sudden go like, Eureka, it works. Jordan, you can leave your job. You know, we sat down <laughs> and we're like, okay, well, like, what else needs to change? And then, you know, we came back to it a few weeks later and we're like, well, what if we did this? You know, we kind of looked at it almost like an experiment. Like, mm-hmm. you know, what if we just, you know, try doing this? What if I picked up a few more freelance clients? What does this look like? So. And I love it too. Like you're saying dream big. And that's, that's what it is. It's not, not being held back by the money situation, right? Kind of be like, all right, this is this is the lifestyle we want. How can we make it happen? Yeah. And and, and we were like like opting out, right? Kind of out, we're kind of right now opting out of the corporate life that we've been into for a while and taking a very mm-hmm. different trajectory. And that and that's been tough for us. And you might, and I'm not fully out of my company yet. I'm, I'm leaving in August. And um, I'm sure I'm going to have regrets and worth issues and things like that that I'm going to have to work mm-hmm. through. But but still, like I said, it's like we're dreaming big. We're trying to get out there. And, and it's thrilling and a little scary, too. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I love the idea of cautiously minimalistic. So I I don't know if you guys know this, but I actually lived abroad for three years and I put all my stuff in a storage unit and then traveled with a backpack. And I ended up coming back on one of my trips and selling my car and emptying the storage unit. And it was those things that in the moment feel so important to you. They feel like really important possessions with really strong memories. And once you have distance from them physically and emotionally, you realize they're really just things. And some stuff is sentimental and emotionally significant. And I held on to a few boxes of things, but it was amazing. Once I had the distance, how easy it was to let things go. Yeah, Yeah. it is really crazy. You don't miss the things once they're gone. And you forget they're there. It's crazy. I have shirts from high school before I got rid of them (laughs) last month. Well, that's what I always said. I was like, you know, you know what I never thought while I was in hostels making new friends? You know, I really miss the junk in my storage unit (laughs) ever. (laughs) But I do want to ask you guys one thing. So I am always fascinated by relationships romantically and otherwise and by marriage. And so you guys named your four principles that you share together, which I think is so cool. Nerdy, but awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. You guys make it sound like your principles perfectly align. And maybe they do. And I think that's really beautiful if they do. But did you guys ever experience any situation where your principles didn't align and you had to compromise or make peace there? Yeah. Do you want to? No, go for oh, it. Yeah. We... Yeah. Maybe you don't even remember. Give us the real real. <laughs> um, one of Jordan's like an initially was that he, you know, really wanted to be adventurous. And so he wanted to, you know, go be a ski bum around the world and, you know, chase the snow. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> the powder man. Um, and, <laughs> but like he, he, we, we talked about it and I said, that's cool. We could come visit you or you could go for like a few months on your own. But then talking about it and really thinking about what his other priorities were, he realized that actually family was more important to him than being a ski bum and, you know, traveling the world doing that. Yeah, exactly. Things just kind of float to the top when you start talking about it with your spouse. Yeah. Like things Mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, that's really what I want to do. And it's like, oh no, I'll be skiing and thinking about my kid the whole time and not enjoying the situation. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then I think also, so we, we align on a lot of our values definitely, but thinking about like where we want to live in the future, like we don't necessarily completely feel aligned with that yet because mm-hmm. we don't know. And also with the, I, with the legacy that we each want to leave. So like kind of the business, like how I said, I want to write a book and, you know, I love talking about money, providing help around money. Jordan enjoys it, but that's not, that's no, not, not going to, yeah. that's not his thing in life. He's very <laughs> focused on the environment and conservation and leaving yeah. the planet in a better state. And starting a company that does that. Yeah. And where I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's cool. You can do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so like we're not aligned there. We support each other, but, mm-hmm. and I understand that that's his priority and he understands that I have mine and we just kind of try and support yeah. each other that way. It's a, it's a journey too. So we'll figure things out as we go, but yeah, but yeah we're, but overall, though, yeah, you're right. We kind of we were able to distill it to four pretty easily with each other. But the details yeah, yeah. are still to be figured out. But we yeah. just need to support each other on it. So yeah, and I think having really open conversations about where the money goes. So 
we talk quite often about making, you know, me making a certain amount for us to live a certain lifestyle because, you know, Jordan's going to be taking this next year kind of a little bit off. And so, no, I haven't taken it off. A little little bit off. Yes. (laughs) So Eric is going to be like funding us and we're we're going to have our savings too, but we also don't want to touch that too much. So it's kind of putting, you know, putting the pressure on her to make some money and things like that. And I want that. There's just a lot of money conversations that happen, even though we align on the basic principles. There's just a lot of details that will, that you always have to figure out. It's Mm -hmm. just not as easy as like, okay, we're done. Cool. Right. That's good. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. The, the spreadsheet is always evolving. The spreadsheet will evolve forever. <laughs> so speaking of spreadsheets, so I love talking about money. You guys seem to really enjoy it. You seem to come at it with a lot of lightness. But for somebody who might be sitting down with a spreadsheet, either with a partner or without a partner and doing this same process, so taking those big dreams and trying to um, make them into those action steps over time, what advice do you have for somebody who's like, that does not sound fun. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, So the first piece of advice I would have is give yourself a a hall pass, like no judgment on yourself. So I think a lot of times the reason why it feels horrible is because you feel like you're not where you should be financially. And we have gone through that. We still go through that sometimes where it just, you know, you don't feel great looking at your money because you look at mistakes that you've made in the past or you feel like everybody else is ahead of you and you only have, you know, this much in a bank account or you have more debt than you have, you know, cash. And like all those things can feel really bad and keep you from actually taking that first step. So the first thing you have to do is give yourself permission to just that's that's not even entering the conversation in your mind. And mm-hmm. I think that's the very f- biggest thing that you have to do. Um, the second thing, <laughs> like to try and make it fun, is just this works for us, is to look at it like an experiment. Like have you ever like stepped back and and instead of looking at something like it's so personal to you, just kind of like taking a step back and said like, oh, what if I can treat this as like a little science experiment to see like what would happen if I if I pull up my bank account and go through all my past transactions and see how, you know, how many from this last month actually make me super happy. You know, mm-hmm. like let me let me look at this like a like a fun little experiment. Um I think looking at that from that lens can really, really make it more fun. And then the third thing I would say is to always be forward focused because mm-hmm. you can't change the past. Like, yeah, it sucks that, you know, I, oh God, I, I make so many mistakes weekly, daily you know, <laughs> with money and things I could wish, you know, I hadn't done, but don't don't dwell on the past just like look forward with enthusiasm for what what can happen if you actually take a minute to look at your money so like remind yourself of like the excitement of what you want to accomplish in your life if you can just spend 30 minutes looking at looking at some of your money like what difference is that going to make in your life it's going to it's probably going to be amazing so harnessing that excitement I love that idea of trading it like a little science experiment. So one person who I follow 
online is Tim Ferriss. And so he treats everything as basically inputs and outputs. And he just comes at everything with that experimentation mindset. And so I think it makes it kind of a fun game is you're just almost looking at a little board game and you're just adjusting different pieces and just seeing what happens. And I know that for people who have a lot of emotional tie to their money and have a lot of emotional connections and maybe negative beliefs around money that doesn't sound as appealing. But I think, like you said, being really forward thinking and letting go of some of the outcomes and just kind of playing with the different pieces can be really empowering. Yeah, that's a great way to look at it. And that's what budget all is, is inputs and outputs and just keeping them as simple as possible also. So knowing what the big inputs are, those are the big things that you can have like levers on to adjust. And then yeah, the outputs. and Yeah, just figure out where you want to go in life with it. Yeah. Was important. Yeah. So not to be too backwards looking, but I know you guys did have an episode of your podcast where you talked about your biggest money mistakes. So are you comfortable sharing some of those here on the podcast? Oh, sure. Who wouldn't want to share those? <laughs> <laughs> In this very, very public forum. Hit me. <laughs> All right. So money mistakes. I'll, I'll get us kicked off because this is one of my favorite ones is, is uh, yeah, I decided to invest in Bitcoin when it was hot and like definitely mm. towards the end of the cycle. And and yeah, I mean, it was fun. We looked at it as like gambling. It was nice that we had a little extra money that we could do it with. Um, but I guess this is the biggest re- regret on that one is just, yeah, I didn't know what I was doing. I just jumped in with everybody else, herd mentality. It's like, yeah, it's going up. Uh-huh. Why not do a little gambling? So, so, um, so yeah. <laughs> Oops. Oops. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it has gone up a lot in a couple of months, but we've just held on now to it and to see what happens to it. But still, that money could have been used for something else a lot better. Sure could yeah. have been. <laughs> um, I think one thing for me that was like, it's not, it wasn't a mistake that I made once. It was a mistake that permeated my day-to-day life for years was this like, I deserve it mentality. Um, mm. And I think because I was so burnt out with my job, you know, not really that excited about things that I was doing in life, I would spend money on the stupidest things and rationalize it like, I deserve it. It's fine. Like I'm going to pay for (laughs) overpriced plane tickets because I deserve it. Like I deserve to go on that vacation. Well, maybe if I would have waited a month, like I could have found a better deal. Or like now that we're throwing away so many things, not throwing away, we're selling or donating. Yeah, we're trying our best to sell them this stuff. We're selling and donating. (laughs) But there's so many purchases that I look around that I like, you know, an expensive pair of boots that I've worn a handful of times that I bought because I, I deserved them. I worked really hard. I deserved to buy them. And now I realize like, oh, no, I deserve to do way better things in life than buy a pair of boots. I deserve to go live the life of my dreams, you know, but <laughs> yeah. like that was a mistake that I made that was like thousands of dollars a year, I feel like probably. Yeah. Sell your stuff is an eye opening experience. I'm getting such a kick mm-hmm. out of it because, yeah, you realize like you look around like, yeah, all right, I have some assets. There's some nice stuff I spent my money on. And you realize you can't sell it on Craigslist for like, you're lucky if you get a third of the value for it. Yeah. You get excited. Yes. So it's just uh, yeah. all those little mistakes just <laughs> staring you in the face when you're trying yeah. to sell it. <laughs> That's like a good a good exercise. We'll just do a call to action. Everyone go out at least once in your life and sell all of your possessions and it will be eye-opening. Yeah, totally. 
I have rebuilt from scratch now that I've moved back to the States. And that's eye-opening in a different way because it makes you so incredibly cognizant of every single purchase you make as a grown-up, hopefully relatively centered adult. (laughs) Um, and, And it makes you just much more conscious and aware. Wow. Yeah, that's what we were actually talking about today. If, if Hawaii doesn't work out or we have to move back, um, yeah, we have to buy all this stuff. It almost makes us hesitant to sell it. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, just imagine how much cost that is when you buy it. But at the same time, too, it's like, wow, if I'm selling this for so cheap, we need to really look on Craigslist before we buy anything, like try to buy something used mm-hmm. going yeah. forward. That's definitely a big le- lesson for us, not buying new. Yeah. Yeah. I I always say purposeful possessions, and that's really how it's felt for me since moving back is that not a single thing, except the dead plant dying in the corner of my apartment, (laughs) nothing feels like I accumulated it just to accumulate. It feels like every single thing in my apartment now has purpose and intention, even if that purpose is just to be pretty. It still was intentional. Yeah. Oh, that's such a nice feeling. Mm-hmm. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I can imagine it's a nice feeling. I don't have that feeling because no, I'm, no, yeah, yeah. I'm still surrounded <laughs> by things that I'm like, why on earth do we have this, you know, stupid thing that now I need to figure out how to get rid of? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Ugh. Well, I'll share one of my money Ooh, mistakes yes. that I used to make also. I just thought of this as you guys were talking, but I used to be the worst at delaying pain things. So I would probably cry if I was faced with the total amount of money that I paid in late fees and interest because I didn't want to face things. And so it's been years since I used to do that. But I mean, parking tickets or doctor's bills, anything like that, I would delay Hmm. and just not manage it. I didn't want to face whatever money blocks I had. So I literally took bills and shoved them into my desk drawers (laughs) instead of facing them. So that was... I don't know how I changed that, but I did change that, which has been much more grown up. (laughs) And it's really interesting to think about when you build awareness around your money, it just has a natural effect that you start making better decisions, I think, because you're, you know what it feels like when you're not making those decisions that are aligned with your values. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Ooh, that's a good mistake. (laughs) Oh, it wasn't good in the moment. Well, no, 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 no. That's a good mistake. That's a good mistake to reflect back on, I should yes. say. So I I want to segue. I imagine that a lot of listeners will have student loans, and I hear it actually as probably the primary reason why people aren't doing the things that they want to do in life is because they have student loans. So what advice do you have for somebody who is wanting to live a life according to their values but is also paying a giant lump sum each month for student loans? That's a good question. That's <laughs> a, a good big one question. for our generation. It is yeah. a big no one. Kidding. It was one that we struggled with. My loan payment was more than our rent. If Like to put that in perspective, it was... And we f- lived in California. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we lived in LA. So it was, Yikes. A, it was a really big loan payment. Um, and it was debilitating. I felt incredibly stuck where I was because I had that massive loan payment. And I think it took realizing that I wasn't where I wanted to be and I really wanted to be excited about a different type of life to give me the enthusiasm and excitement and the drive to pay it off in whatever way that I could. And it wasn't immediately, obviously, like – Nobody pays off their debt overnight, but I was able to make those loan payments and 
and start making more than the minimum, which I never, ever would have thought possible. But I was able to do that because I very strategically like did a few things in pursuit of paying off that loan to get to, you know, like my more exciting goals. So I just saw it as kind of a stepping stone paying off that loan. Yeah. My favorite example was when you were at Target and you had like, you know, you walked in and you're walking out with like a hundred dollars worth of items Yeah. and you realize I can just walk away from these items and take the hundred dollars and apply it to my principal and my student loan. I feel so much better about it. Yeah. And so I think if anybody's facing student loans like that and they can be completely overwhelming and can make you feel like you're never going to get out of it and that you won't, that you're going to have to suffer, um, you know, until they're gone. But if you can find a way to start paying them off with, and it sounds so cheesy, but I'm going to say enthusiasm, Mm -hmm. like, because you are excited for what's next and what's coming around the corner you start seeing momentum as you, you know, chip away an extra $100, an extra $200, you know, suddenly it's an extra $500. And that's what's great about answering those life questions too, because it doesn't necessarily mean you need a career transition or a big life transition to be happy. It could just be like writing that book and you might not have to pay off your student loans to do something like that. Such a good point. That's true because there is an exercise in life planning where you go through your ideal day and you mm-hmm. compare it to your current day. And so, yes, maybe your ideal day is not going to work, but there are probably other parts of your ideal day that are separate from your job. So maybe it's that you, you know, your ideal day would start with a slow cup of coffee and then a, you know, nice walk around the neighborhood with your dog or something like that. Yeah, mine, but, mine was mm-hmm. like working out. And, but that was kind of expensive at the time based on our other goals. So we figured out a way to work out at home. But yeah. I still got that mm-hmm. satisfaction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's a very, very helpful exercise to get yourself motivated and excited about life without having to spend a lot of money. Um, And you can start making like small changes like, oh, I'm going to go home. You know, if your life goal is to write a book, you know, you're going to go home and carve out an hour, you know, on (laughs) Monday, Wednesday, Friday um, Mm -hmm. to write that. And so like, what can you do in your schedule to kind of free that up and to guard that space for yourself? And it's not going to cost any money. And it's not going to mean that you have to pay off your student debt to do that. I think that's a really interesting perspective because I think when people don't feel like they're in charge of their money, they're not in control, they attribute money to everything. So, um, I hear a lot of people say, oh, I can't do that date because it's expensive or I can't socialize with my friends as much as I want to because it's too expensive. And I'm like, do you make a list of 20 things in your city that are free because they do exist. And so I think a call to action on this podcast is often check your assumptions and make sure that you're separating the truth from your perception of the truth. And I think this is a really ideal time to do it with money is separating out what is your, what are your fears and what is the reality? Yeah, definitely. What are the stories that you've always told yourself that might not be true that you Mm -hmm. need to start exploring and being like, oh, wait, no, that's, that wasn't true. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or what stories are you willing to let go now? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Well, so there's there's a concept in accounting where it's basically every year when you look at your budget, instead of looking at last year's budget, you start from zero. And so you go through and every single expense that you have, 
has to be justified from scratch. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's super interesting to do on a personal level because a lot of times we just have these subscriptions or we have these things that we pay every month and we don't question them because it's always been like that. And by going through your finances and just building from scratch, you're able to cut down on a lot of the unnecessary things because you are confronted with these different things that you're paying for that you realize are not actually justified. Yeah. I, I I think that's actually similar to what we did when we sat down with the spreadsheet to kind of build out what it would look like with oh, cool. the, you know, this new life that new we life. wanted to live. Yeah. Yeah. It was, a, it was, you know, zero based budgeting. We should have done that years ago though. <laughs> like <laughs> it's that's- a great, it's a great way to kind of get rid of uh, subscription services. Isn't yes. it? Because you're like, all right, yeah, how many subscriptions do I have that I stopped watching a long time ago? Subscriptions are so sneaky. Oh, they just right? yeah, <laughs> pop up on those credit cards. You just keep paying them off. Oh, it's only $5, only ten fifteen. Yeah. 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 Well, I use Mint.com. Uh, do you guys use Mint? No, we use Personal Capital. I am obsessed with Mint.com, but... Would you put in a plug for personal capital too? Oh, I'm obsessed with personal <laughs> capital. Oh, geez. <laughs> I, you see I like, that enthusiasm? <laughs> oh my God. I like, you know why? You know why I'm so enthusiastic about it? I have two reasons. One, because personal capital, it has a budgeting tool. You can look back at your expenses and see what you spent, you know, where. Um, mm-hmm. But what they also have, it's a financial account aggregator. So you can look at, all of your accounts everywhere in one simple view. So like yes. your credit card, your mortgage, your, um, you know, student loan, even. Student yeah. loan mm-hmm. your retirement account, your savings accounts, you know, everything just comes into one beautiful, pretty place that is amazing. So that's one reason that I love it. And the second reason why I love it is because Jordan and I, Jordan's really detailed and I am not very detailed. And so this has basically ended any money arguments that we've had (laughs) because he can log in and see all of our accounts and we are on the same page at all times without having to really talk about it. Yeah. Because some of her accounts I still don't have access to or I don't see. So yeah. So this solves that. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. I like that a lot. Yeah, that's pretty similar to Mint.com where you have the aggregate view. And so every single account that you have, like I even link my PayPal accounts and I link my Kiva account. Um, So on Kiva, the micro lending platform, you can invest every month with an auto deposit and then the money gets repaid to you. And so over time you can reinvest it. But I like to see it in my Mint.com just but it's just having it in one place. And then the other thing, which I'm, I imagine that personal capital does this as well. So we'll put links to both in the show notes. But on mint.com, you can look at your trends over time by merchant. Mm-hmm. So you can say, you know, wow, I've really been spending a lot of money on Ubers or wow, I really have been spending a lot of money at bars and I I stopped drinking as much recently. And so I'm able to see like, oh, wow, that's really making an impact on my health, but also on my financial bottom line, which is exciting. That yeah. is really nice. Yeah. yeah we I, did the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm drinking less, mm-hmm. which is hard to do in the UK when the pubs are just so cozy. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, but yeah, it yeah. does make a big difference. I know that you guys have recommendations for three books that you think are the best financial books out there. We share an opinion about one of them and the other two. I totally trust your opinion. I just haven't read. So can you give us an overview of those three books? Sure. So the very first one, 
um, that I recommend is Ramit Sethi's I Will Teach You to Be Rich. And that one, some people struggle with his um, personality because he yes. can be very in your face. But if you look at his system and how he sets things up for you, he makes it so your money is just easy. It's on autopilot. I think it's like a six-week program and you feel on top of your finances. Like you've got it under control. Things aren't all over the place. And it's just a really – like that should be required rating for every high school student. Like, Seconded. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. I, I think the title's annoying. I mean, it's mm-hmm. a clickbait title before clickbait was a thing. Yep. And the his style can be kind of – he's a bro. Oh, I mean, fundamentally, totally. he's a bro. That <laughs> is absolutely why he can be a little grating. <laughs> yes, but he is so smart. And I recommend this book to every single person who has any kind of finances that they want to get in check, which is usually most humans on this planet. <laughs> and I think it, he just has a really, really easy to follow system, like you said. And it's A to Z of how to set up your money. Yeah, definitely. It's a It's the best place to start. The second book I really recommend is Your Money or Your Life by Vicki Robin. And this book isn't like a, here's how to organize your bank accounts or here's how to save for retirement. This book is how do you, it changes how you think about money. Like just, it, it completely transforms how you view your purchases. So basically her premise is that we are trading our time for our money. Everything that you are buying, so you go out and buy a computer, you go out and buy a sandwich, you go out and buy you know anything, you are trading an hour of your life. You are trading a certain number of hours of your life. And so what's more important to you? You know, your money or your life? Is it more important to you to go out and earn a big salary so you can buy a whole bunch of things? Or is it more important to you to, you know, earn a decent amount of money and go out and experience your life. When I listened to it, I was like, oh my God, I am treating how I'm spending money so wrong. Vicky takes it to a whole other level when she talks about, you know, really do you value that bag that you're going to buy more than you value, you know, three days of your life? And it starts putting that in perspective and you're like, no, I don't. I value my life so much more than, you know, this shirt that I'm going to buy. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited to go get it. Oh, my God. (laughs) I I really please email me and let me Mm -hmm. know what you think because it's good. I really think it's good. Um, And then the third one is The Simple Path to Wealth by J.L. Collins. And this book, so he was – he is – no, was because he's retired. He was a financial advisor. And this was a book he wrote for his daughter. Basically, she didn't want to know about money because there are more important, you know, there are more fun things to learn about in life. And he was like, these are the lessons that you need to know so that you can truly be wealthy and not just from a monetary standpoint, from a, you know, freedom to do what you want in life standpoint, to not be stuck on a paycheck to paycheck cycle. And he just breaks down everything from, you know, how to think about what you're spending on to uh, what is this world of investing? 
He breaks down investing in just the most easy to understand terms, like complete education on money. He is a complete education. That's what that book is. I am so excited to read these books. I'm going to trade some time and money of my own to go buy these books, but it's going to be worth it. (laughs) I'm wondering if you guys can just give us one, maybe break it down by one like interesting abstract dream big prompt and then one tangible money practical tip. Are you comfortable doing that? Yeah. One dream big prompt. If I had to say like if you if you weren't going to do the three questions <laughs> and, and that wasn't going to be Shame on you. <laughs> yeah. I really suggest that you do them, but if you just want one dream big prompt. It may sound so cheesy. Like What am I going to do today that at the end of it, I will say like, yeah, that that was worth it. What am I going to go out and be so excited about? What am I going to work and get one step closer to? So that might, so that, you know, when I get to the end, whether it be the end of my life, the end of the day, you know, the end of this part of our journey that I can look back and say, like, I really did something that was, you know, it was absolutely worth it. And I'm so glad that I went on that ride. Absolutely. Okay. So then I think the practical step. So I have two, I have a light version and a heavy version. So perfect. the light version is reflect on every single thing that you spent money on yesterday. And of all those things that you spent money on, which one actually brought you happiness? And so for me, when I look back and I reflect, like today, our train tickets to London, because we we went and um, toured Parliament. They were so cool. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> that brought us so much happiness. I wouldn't say our breakfast or our lunch <laughs> or the, definitely not that lukewarm hot chocolate you know, that I had because it was raining out. Like, so it's... I think once you can start being aware of where your money's going and whether it's lining up with things that truly make you happy in life, you can start really taking charge. If you want to kick that up to an even better level, um, so you should print out your bank statement, physically print it out from the last month, and you take three highlighters or three pens, um, green, yellow and red. I know there's no red highlighter, so you can use pink. Um, (laughs) And go through line by line and highlight things. So if if something's a necessity, so you absolutely have to spend money on it, highlight it in yellow. So that's like your rent or mortgage. Um, It could be your utilities, your phone bill, internet. So highlight those in yellow. Highlight everything that brought you joy and like truly, truly, truly made you happy, that you were so thankful that you parted your dollars to get that thing, highlight that in green, and then everything else will be in red. And that visual, or pink, (laughs) that visual (laughs) will help you see whether you're spending your money in line with your happiness or not in line with your happiness. And before, you know, anybody gets too far down like debt and savings and investing like that's the best first step you can make with your money because really if you're going to you know be in a financially stable place you have to 
spend less than you earn. Everybody knows that. But to do that from a place from not from a place of lack. Scarcity. Yeah. It's really focusing on what makes you happiest and doing that bank account exercise. Man, it just seeing those colors on the sheet, <laughs> it really puts things in perspective. Mm-hmm. I love that exercise. So challenge to everybody listening or anyone who resonates with that idea, or if it scares the living daylights out of you, you should especially do it. <laughs> and if you need, and don't do it with judgment, though. Like I said no, at the beginning, yes. no judgment. Yes. Don't, be, don't, don't beat yourself up. It's done. All we can yeah. do is move forward with enthusiasm yeah. and excitement for what your future holds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that call to action. Thank you so much for sharing that. And if anyone needs any accountability, feel free to email. I'm sure Erica and Jordan would love to keep the conversation going. <laughs> Absolutely. Perfect. Well, thank you guys so, so much for joining today. I love talking to you guys a little bit more and love toasting you. So thank you for being on the podcast. Any final thoughts before we wrap up? Here's my final thought is, and I, I think it's something Jordan and I talk about all the time, like it's okay to opt out of whatever you think you're supposed to be doing with your life. Like as you go through exercises with your money or with life coaching or, you know, whatever process somebody's going through, like hit that opt out button if you have to, because Jordan and I have, you know, we're opting out of having a mortgage and having a long career and a very stable job. Yeah. And like, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's okay to opt out even if your friends and family look at you like you're crazy. You know what you're doing. You're living You're living the life that really matters to you. Absolutely. I love that. Thank you. No, seriously. Thank you guys so much for being on the podcast. And it was great to host you. Thank you yeah, so, much so much for inviting that us. That was really fun. Thank you for listening to The Peak Podcast. Your support helps this podcast grow. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend and then head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It is so much appreciated, and I will see you on the next episode.